I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Well, so much for that hat. The river claims another soul. I was bummed, to say the least. The hat in question was the Patagonia visor I've had for years, the green one I take with me everywhere, the one that says, climb clean on it. I like how it sounds like come clean, like, let's have the truth, out with it. And yet, after all the years I've owned that visor, I've come to realize that the truth is, almost nothing is clean. But almost nothing is fully adulterated either. Everything is somewhere in the middle. Anyway, I jumped off that boulder into the green-blue waters of the Colorado River just below the Glen Canyon Dam, water that's supposed to be chocolatey brown. And as I jumped, I completely forgot the visor was on my head. But when I surfaced, I realized immediately it was gone. Shit, I gasped, the frigid chill taking my breath away. My visor. Brian looked at me, then looked at the water. Shit, he said, and dove in. It was surprisingly deep in this little crook of the river, where the water hugged a steep sandstone wall. He went down, down. I lost him in the tall, seaweed-like vegetation that waved back and forth in long, snaking undulations. I started to worry, but then his head broke the surface. I can't find it, he said. I'm sorry. It was my idea to jump. Yeah, it had been Brian's idea. His idea to jump off the rock, his idea to come up here in the first place to show me and my wife Megan one of his favorite places. We probably wouldn't have come on our own. Like many people with environmentalist leanings, we'd written off anything immediately above or below the dam. That monstrosity. In our eyes, it tarnished everything it touched. Lake Bowell? Forget about it. Glen Canyon National Recreation Area? Might as well visit a graveyard. It hadn't occurred to me that we might find great beauty right in the dam's clutches. But there was, in abundance, beauty everywhere the eye could see. The water shouldn't have been that color, but it was, and it was gorgeous. There shouldn't have been big old lunkers, brown and rainbow trout, but there were. There shouldn't have been motorboats carrying droves of tourists, myself included, up and down that stretch of river. But that's precisely what happened every day. And they were all as awed and enamored with the place as I was, rightfully so. I didn't expect to love it here, but I couldn't help it. I 
I told Brian all of this and said it wasn't his fault that I lost my own hat. Anyway, it was a small price to pay for this revelation. We paddled down to Josh and Megan, who were eddied out on a beach up ahead along Horseshoe Bend. On the canyon rim, hundreds of feet above us, we could see people, darkly silhouetted, spindly, and small as stick figures, wandering around, looking down, taking the same overplayed Instagram photo. I got the notion there were more of them up there than there were of us down here, which shocked me. In this hot, dry desert, here was precisely the place to be. I told Meg the story of the visor, and she smiled sympathetically. I just shrugged. Non-attachment, I said, right? The four of us launched back onto the water. We paddled lazily for a bit, then we simply stopped and let the current take us. We held tight to one another, forming a little flotilla of the three stand-up paddle boards and my pack raft. I leaned back, looked at the sky, and watched thunderheads forming in the distance. I let a hand droop languidly into the water, just the tips of my fingers breaking the surface. Heaven on earth. Brian leaned over the edge of his board and stared deep into the water. I wondered if he was still looking for my visor. When we looked up again in unison, Meg and Josh started cracking up. Brian and I were so transfixed by what was happening beneath the surface that we had completely missed what was happening above. We were caught in an eddy right in the middle of the river, spinning slowly in circles. Each revolution took more than a minute to complete. At one end of the circle, I stared upstream to where we'd come from. Slowly, my perspective changed until I was looking downstream to where we were going. I reveled in the symbolism of this repeating cycle, but it wasn't long before my mind got itchy the same way it does when I try to meditate. As soon as I think, I'm doing it, I'm not doing it anymore. And as soon as I realize I'm not doing it, I get antsy. I suddenly had an irrepressible urge to move my body, paddle up ahead, get into something new. And so I did, abruptly and without warning. I paddled across the river, setting a heron to flight and a little trail of ducklings squawking along the shoreline. Then I paddled back to the sandstone wall that plunged into the west bend of the river, got out of my boat, and felt for hand and footholds. What form of climbing could be cleaner than barefoot, chalkless, straight out of a boat? If you fall, you're in the bath. Little lizards had no trouble scurrying up and down and sideways, but I couldn't find anything a human might hold on to. So I sat back down into the pack raft and let the current reclaim me. After a short while, the current brought Meg and I together as it has been doing for the past decade or so. We held tight to each other. Josh and Brian were somewhere else. We marveled at the fact that this was just a couple hours drive from home, that we could just come up here and do this. It's weird, I told her. I feel conflicted. I mean, the dam shouldn't be there. This place shouldn't look and feel like this. None of this should exist at all. But at the same time, you can say the same thing about our entire civilization. The United States shouldn't exist. Cities in the desert shouldn't exist. We shouldn't be sucking this river dry to water millions of people, golf courses, and lawns. Capitalism shouldn't exist. Racism shouldn't exist. Climate change shouldn't exist. But all of it does. 
and not coming to a place like this, totally ignoring and turning your back on it because it's attached to this thing that shouldn't exist, that doesn't change or fix anything. That's like sticking your head in the sand and doing nothing to make the world a better place because it's not the world you think it should be, you know? I finished pontificating and looked at Meg. She gazed peacefully upstream, seemingly unmoved by my monologue, the likes of which she'd heard many times before. I expected her to yawn and say something noncommittal, but suddenly, her face lit up like a Christmas tree. Holy shit, she said. Chris, you're not going to believe this. I swiveled my head around to look behind me as she dipped her paddle into the water. When the paddle came back up again, there was my visor, sitting neatly on top as if it had been there all along. Well, I'll be damned, I said, putting it on my head. I'll be damned. The writer in me instantly wanted to identify some moral to this serendipitous and unlikely story. Things come full circle. That which you let go of comes back to you. Non-attachment. The circle of life. Some quote from Aldo Leopold's Round River. But all those lofty metaphors, they felt like a stretch. And now, months later, they still do. Sometimes unbelievable things just happen. There may not be an explanation there doesn't need to be. And if there is, it doesn't need to be something especially profound. Miraculously finding your favorite visor doesn't have to be anything more than that, a small miracle. At the same time, though, I get this funny feeling inside every time I wear that visor. It's almost as if I can feel the cold water and warm sun on my body all over again. Hear the sound of the river lapping gently against our boats. It's as if I can smell the desert, native juniper, sage, and mesquite, and also invasive tamarisk, cheatgrass, and Russian olive. Fragrances I can't separate out from one another, smells that form an imperfect yet pleasant whole. It's like I can see all over again the blue-green of the visor blending in with the blue-green of a river that should be brown. I know that someone, somewhere, could make the argument that that visor probably shouldn't exist. Consumerism, capitalism, etc., etc. And they wouldn't be wrong, just as someone wouldn't be wrong to point out that the Glen Canyon Dam shouldn't exist. But the same is also true of the little paradise below the dam. Of you and me. Maybe none of this should exist. But it all does. We all do. That's something I try to keep in mind these days. Nothing is perfect, but that doesn't mean I should just write everything off. There's beauty and value to be found everywhere I look. Often, it's lurking just beneath the surface, imperfect and hidden in plain sight, right under my nose. I'm Chris Kalman, and this is my short. Thank you, Chris, for sharing your story. This is not the first time that Chris has written about dams. He is also the author of Damned If You Don't, a book about one man's struggle to prevent the damming of a pristine valley in Chilean Patagonia. You can find the book and more at Chris's work at chriscalman.com. 
Music today from Bradley Carter and Brendan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the Artists or Free Music Archive. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars with additional production help from Ashley Langholz and Becca Cahal. Artwork by Anya Miller. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Support comes from Kuat Racks. Their Ibex overlanding truck bed rack is made to handle substantial loads both on and off the grid. You can go anywhere with it. Seriously, constructed from lightweight yet durable aluminum, the black powder coat is made for all the nature you can throw at it. Available in seven different frame sizes to accommodate most truck models, the Ibex is engineered for adventure with versatile full and half height configurations. For more details and to visualize your Ibex configuration, you should do this. It's super cool. It's a neat augmented reality program. Check it out. See what it would look like on your truck. It works super well. Visit kuat.com, kuat, because you will absolutely love this overlanding truck bed rack.